Welcome to Fuji Love. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. I'd like to welcome back Valerie Jardin. As many of you may know, she's an amazing Fujifilm ex-photographer, uh, a very accomplished street photographer. Valerie, good to have you back on the show. Bonjour, good to be back. So uh, last time it was my first time chatting with you. I got to know you, get your your, your background, and uh, we went through origin stories, and it was so much fun. Uh, this week I thought we'd uh, tackle uh, a fun subject with uh, with the weather getting warmer, uh, spring around the corner, at least in the northern hemisphere. Uh, going about doing street photography is a I find a great way to kind of kick off the the rust that may have gathered around the winter season and uh, kind of get you in the mood to do some photography. But there are so many different kinds of street photography out there. There is, it can be as close to a person or as far away as a person to a person, um, you can be uh, in an urban setting, maybe around an urban setting. Maybe the urban setting is the subject itself rather than the people in it. Uh, so I thought we'd kind of break down the barriers, so to speak, and, and just kind of have a free conversation on what makes street photography street photography and why we shouldn't be afraid of it. Okay. Wow. Well, first of all, street Photography, the word street is already a problem because, right. <laughs> because it doesn't have to be on the, in an urban uh, uh, setting at all. Um, and it should not be a street without people because that's, you know, then that's buildings, and that's architecture. So there are a lot of misconceptions. And I think the, just the term itself, street photography, um, should be changed to documentary photography or narrative photography. But, but I hate calling it street photography, to be honest, because it's, uh, it's a misconception. And I do half of my work on the beach. And although it's a lot more difficult than on the street because there is nowhere to hide, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still moments of everyday life. And, and that's what it is. Uh, that's what quote unquote street photography is, is capturing moments of everyday life. So for street photography or documentary photography, let's start with, uh, with, with the gear. I think first and foremost, you want something that's non-obtrusive. What do you use for your street photography? Uh, for the past nearly ten years now, I've only used the X100 um, from awesome. the first one <laughs> to the to the V. Uh, that's all I have. I have two of uh, <laughs> two of two of the same camera uh, because I always need a backup since I travel so much. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's a one camera, one lens type of photography. You want to shoot fairly wide. Uh, I, I shoot at 23, which is a 35 equivalent on a full frame. And it's perfect, perfect for street photography. Uh, honestly, I think it's a perfect lens for pretty much anything. If you only have one lens, I think that's, the one I went to Iceland with that camera, so uh, I I made it work. Uh, so, um, but people may find that the comfort is more fifty or 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 eighteen. But you know, it's not something you do with a zoom lens. Um, it's creepy at that point, and um, and you're not going to get that same feel. The, the the viewer has to feel like they're right there in the scene so if you if you're using uh, two or three hundred millimeter you're never going to have that you're going to have pretty pictures but you're never going to have that feeling of of intimacy with the scene 
I tried that with a 300. I had to uh, be across a river to uh, get an appropriate uh, distance. And uh, while my street photography was lacking, my uh, tilt shift kind of uh, post edit, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, the, it, it, but you, as, a, as a documentary photographer, you, you're not going to be satisfied for very long if you're shooting from a far distance uh, because it just it's not what the genre is. And yeah. so you'll, you're gonna, even if you start a little bit further out, you're going to want to get closer uh, because that's when you're going to achieve that, that type of um, that time uh, t- intimacy, excuse me, that, um, that you want the viewer to feel as well. So, yeah. Now, when you refer to intimacy, it's, it's let, let, let's break that down because um, already I'm seeing like that really has to pertain to uh, catching a person in an act of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there are many ways to approach it, and and I'm really open to that. I I I teach street photography to people who've done it forever and others who are brand new. And it doesn't matter because often it's the ones that are brand new that are going, who are going to see the moment, the decisive moment quicker. And so um, the, 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 the level of experience really doesn't really matter as much as the level of confidence, I think. So uh, not everybody wants to be in people's face and I actually <laughs> highly discourage it. Um, it's, it's not, that that um, in your face, like people think street photography is in your face. No, it doesn't have to be. And, and you may be a more minimalist street photographer where you prefer photographing um, silhouettes in the distance. And that's fine. You will still, it's still a moment of, of life. Um, I, I approach it from all different angles. I, I like, I like to, to hunt, uh, I like to to walk for hours and hours and hours and react to to scenes that I haven't seen before, to moments, to light, to gesture. Um, Sometimes I see a beautiful backdrop and the way the light hits the side of the street a certain way, and that's fleeting. It may, it's not going to last very long. Then I'm going to wait, and that's more of a fisherman. Uh, approach um, and a lot of people prefer that instead of walking for miles and miles um, you can also you can also find uh, great architecture great light and then look for more silhouettes so that's a lot more and a lot less obstru- obtrusive and less invasive and it'll a little more comfortable for a lot of people who may um, may not feel like getting really close to people. You can also do street portraits where actually the subject knows they're being photographed. They're still strangers, and some people prefer that. But that's also part of the of the genre, I believe. So, so there, I think there is a way to approach it for everyone, and that's the that's where people need to start. They need to do it where they're comfortable because if you get close to people and you don't feel good about it and you don't feel right about it, you're going to send the wrong vibe and and people are going to notice you. And the whole point is to stay invisible, even if you're within inches of people. Yeah, and that, although if you're taking portraits, it's hard to be invisible for that one. Yeah, if you do portraits, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've done my fair share of it, um, approaching strangers and having conversation comes so easy to me and so naturally that most of the time I forget why I even approach that person. And we have a great conversation and I never take the picture. It's just too easy. I think uh, street portraits are fun if it's challenging. And so for introverts, it could be a great challenge, a greater challenge than um, than taking candid scenes of everyday life. Just to, to know that they, okay, that person know they're being photographed, even though you know, hopefully they're not going to try to pose them or anything. They're just going to let them be natural. But for some people, that's a that's that's a big leap between already starting to engage a conversation with someone, and then and then making the extra jump of asking them to do a portrait. That's that's difficult for a lot of people. It 
comes so naturally to me that I find it boring. Um, and so I don't, I don't really do it anymore. Um, for me, it's really capturing that, that moment that lasts a fraction of a second that's never happened and will never happen again. And that's what the genre is about, is that candid moment. And I, I cannot stress the candid part enough because if you're staging your shots, if you're asking people to do something, or could you, oh, could you walk by there again? Or could you kiss again? That is not, <laughs> that is not what street photography is. And that's deceiving and that's too easy. So it takes the merit out of the equation. And so why do it? So, uh, but there is a lot of that out there. You can see it. Um, and, uh, and I find it very unethical because it, it it's not unethical if if it's done and and the whoever is looking at the picture knows that it's staged then it's a pretty picture but it is not a candid moment it is not a moment of everyday life because it is staged so that is something that um is really important there really there are two rules i mean no one really makes the rules it is whatever it, it is and and people do whatever they want ultimately but there are two rules, candid and keeping, you know, the, the purest form of street photography, candid moments and respect, respect of your subject in the way you portray them. Um, you, you're not photographing people in embarrassing situation or in vulnerable situation uh, or moments of crisis. Uh, it's really capturing the everyday life. It can be beautiful and happy it can be sad but still and and res, res, while respecting the subject and and not not posting or sharing or publishing photos of people that you, if it was you you'd feel embarrassed i think that's really crossing the line but you see a lot of that so i i think that's giving street photography a bad reputation honestly because um people don't do it the way it should be done, and uh, and and really respect is is uh, is key, so in my opinion. Let, I I have a curiosity question that may sound very stupid at first, and uh, but it, it's a genuine question in my part because when did when did the rule that it has to be authentically candid come into place. Is that a digital photography addition or has it always been the case? And the reason why I ask this, I'm not trying to be cheeky or anything. Um, some of the most famous, what we see as candid photography is actually staged photography. I, I don't recall the photographer's name, but there's a very famous one where, uh, Oh, the kiss at the Hotel de Ville from Robert Douaneau, right? Probably the one you're thinking about? No. Uh, no? <laughs> because that was, that was staged. But it was done for – it wasn't – it wasn't street photography. It was actually done for um, a client. So it became an iconic photograph. And a lot of people thought it was a candid moment, but it wasn't. Um, and it's very disappointing when you find out that it's, it's, not, it's not candid. Because it's like, yeah, anyone can anyone can pose uh, two beautiful actors in front of yeah. a train station <laughs> and ask them to kiss. Uh, it's it's a beautiful picture, but you took the the merit of the of the candid moment. However, Robert Duano did amazing pure candid photography. Besides that shot, but ironically, the the one picture that people think usually it's that one, and that one wasn't wasn't uh yeah handed so so maybe you were thinking of another one i was thinking of another one no kisses unfortunately <laughs> plenty of rubble um this is uh during uh, some of the the blitzes that were happening in uh, england uh, and it's uh it's like after the bombings and it's a uh, englishman walking across rubble or something like that mm -hmm. i'm trying to envision the photo in my head but he, he he's off to work um and it's uh i i don't know if it was ever used as a um 
a candid piece or, or a news piece. I don't know the history behind it. All I do know is that it was it was a piece that was staged. And yeah, but I think and a lot that was more a photojournalist, I think. Um more than street photography. I think that was more photojournalism because it was a photo that would raise awareness or um tell the story of war. And so I, I find that the, the, those two genres really overlap, in yes. my opinion, in, in the fact that the ethics of the f- photographer should remain intact. And it's it's candid moments, unfortunately, and it's very tempting. And I know that a lot of photographers who have to deliver pictures for a newspaper had to resort to staging their shots. It's unfortunate and it, it's very deceiving when you find out uh, that it was staged because it definitely takes the, the meaning of the photograph uh, it, it tints it, basically. It's a tinted image at that point. Or when you find out that famous photographers removed uh, elements from their from their photos that were published as photo, you know, uh, in, in a newspaper, that's against the rules. And, and, uh, and that reflects on, uh, reflects poorly on the photographer too, because that really breaks, uh, important rules and granted street photography is not we're not photojournalists we're not photographing um wars and and things like that but the the ethics aspect is the same Uh, we apply the same rules except that we go for the everyday life and if if you look at the definition of street photography even in i was just looking at that, I'm preparing a new presentation. And I was looking at the different, um, different, um, sources like Encyclopedia Britannica, for example, I mean, you know, reliable sources of where you can find definition and it is candid. It's, it's moments, it captures moments which might otherwise go unnoticed. That's exactly the definition from Britannica. So it is a genre of photography that records everyday life in a public place, period. Candid, candid moments. And, uh, and, and that comes in every definition of the genre. So, yes, people can apply their own things and their own rules, but then it doesn't fall in that category, in that genre. And so if I see a picture that is obviously staged and underneath hashtag candid street photography, hashtag street photography, hashtag documentary photography, that's a lie. And so if it's somebody, if you, if you, uh, asking your, your wife to pose, uh, because she's dressed beautifully and she's going to make a beautiful silhouette walking down that empty street. Yes, it's a pretty picture, but it is not street photography. So th- that's where I draw the line. And, and yes, I'm a purist because I want to preserve this. I, and it's, you can achieve beautiful photographs, 100% candid. And I, I feel like I have a few of them that I'm really proud of. But I know what, what, what it involves to capture that moment in that fraction of a second that, first of all, to see it and to react quickly enough to capture it. Um, there is no other feeling. I mean, th- when you know you have it, you have that, that really special moment that yourself would never be able to recreate anyways. It's that candid moment. It's the best feeling in the world. Would I have that feeling if I was asking someone to to pose or, or just uh, asking two strangers to kiss so I can get the picture. No, I would actually never be able to post it. I would feel so, so bad. I would have a pretty picture, but I could never say it's candid because it's not. So, uh, and I, I know a lot of people listening to this can totally relate because it's also setting some, some wrong expectations to, uh, to the public or to new photographers who are, really wanting to learn more about this beautiful genre of photography, which is so, so important because we learn so much from those photographs and they will have a historical value eventually, just like the, 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 the photographs of the masters, um, have a historical value today. We learn a lot from them 
and and then if they see that all those perfect photographs, they think they're actually candid moments, it kind of sets the bar a little out of reach and might be a little discouraging as well. Whereas you can actually, you can get to that level in a candid in a candid situation, but it's going to take a lot of practice, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of determination, a lot of hours of nothing until you can actually a days and months of of nothing until you actually capture that really special moment. And I think it it, it takes patience, but that's what it's about. It's it's being discerning and patient and determined and. And then the joy of having that moment in your camera uh, to share is is amazing. So granted, nobody knows and nobody cares maybe when they look at the pictures, but the, the photographer knows and, and the photographer is the only person that they need to please. It's yourself as a photographer. You're not shooting street photography for clients. So you do it for yourself. And I don't know how anyone could feel good about sharing a picture trying to uh, making it look like it's candid when it wasn't, I would feel so uncomfortable doing that. What is a good practice regimen for uh, getting into street photography? I, I'm, I'm new to photography. I, I've done some portrait work. I've done some, uh, some group photography, maybe events here and there. What is... Where, where is a good starting point for some uh, for for people? You have to be out a lot, and I mean a lot. You're not going to learn by looking at pictures online. You will get inspiration, but you won't find your voice. You have to be out and and really be open. I always say shoot with your heart because when it comes down to it, that's what it is. Uh, forget the gear. Forget the, the, the your, your camera has to become an extension of, of yourself. You should be able to to forget it's there. That's the best camera you can have. It's the camera that you forget uh, that you even have in your hand. And I've had those um, moments, the camera that I forgot yeah. sitting at home. Oh, you, you forgot at home. <laughs> no, but I mean, Oops. literally, you forget that you forget that you even have that camera in your hand. It becomes an extension of you, and that's a good camera. Uh, that's why I never change cameras because uh, I I don't need to look at my dials to to turn my exposure compensation up or down at, at the fraction of a second that I need it. So, uh, know your camera well, go out, and then. Um, let the street surprise you. Um, follow the light. And you have to do this in your own city. It's not something you can only do when you travel. Yes, it's exciting. And and I, I mean, I lead workshops around the world. And I, I know how exciting it is for, for uh, photographers to be, uh, to be in a new city. And, and when I lead them to my favorite neighborhoods and, and I, I, sh I show them, you know, the way the light will hit that wall at a certain time and they should really watch for that or, or, you know, follow the locals and things like that. So yes, it's exciting, but you're not going to get better if you only do this on your vacations, unless you're vacationing year round, which would be kind of nice. Right. Uh, but you, you need to do that in your own city. Actually, you should be able to do your best work at home. In your own in your own environment, city, whether it's a big city or a small city, that's where you should be able to do your best work. And then, uh, so you practice, practice, practice. There are a lot of times where you'll come home empty, and that's okay. It's it's not the spray and pray approach. That that's not that's not the right approach. It's really being discerning and pressing the shutter for the moment. That's potentially a great photograph and it takes a lot of practice, a lot of patience. People don't think how much patience is needed uh, on the streets. And, and ironically, I am not a patient person for anything else. Like I'm not a patient driver, for example. Uh, I, but for photography and teaching <laughs> the, the, this beautiful genre of photography, I have unlimited patience. If I, if I find the right spot, I could be standing there for an hour waiting for the right subject. And I'm not going to settle. If the right subject doesn't come through, I'll leave without taking the picture. But I'm not going to say, oh, well, I have to go now. Well, or there's someone coming by. I'm just going to take the picture. No, you have to really envision what, we, what will make the strongest possible frame and not settle. 
and uh and it's hard it, the the rate of keepers is really low and and it's it can be very discouraging for a lot of photographers but it i think once you fall in love with with it and once you're hooked you're hooked for life and you'll never be bored because you'll you'll be you'll keep first of all you'll see life in a different way and I think even if you don't capture every moment, I hear that on workshops all the time where people, oh, I just saw this. I saw this beautiful moment and I missed it. I said, no, 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 no. You didn't You didn't take the picture, but you didn't miss the moment. And that's more than most people can say. You saw it. And that is part of the learning, really being in tune with, with life around you. First, you have to love people to do this. You have to love life. You have to see the beauty in everyday life. And, um, and then, you know, it's like building blocks. It will just come, it will fall into place. And then once in a while, you'll start getting this really beautiful shot. And, uh, and then you raise the bar constantly. You're never there. You never, you never, you never master this. You can constantly keep learning, which is also the beauty of it. Because if we knew it all, it would be boring, right? So it's the constant challenge of it. And um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I love it. I, I'll never get tired of it uh, because I'm always looking for something even more special. And sometimes I, I always have one picture in a year that stands out. But it's like, yeah, that's, that's my, that's the shot of the year that, that, respond, that, I, that I love the most. Often not the one that has been most popular on social media, for example, because that has nothing to do with with it. Uh, but you know the sweat <laughs> it took to get yeah. that shot. How many times did you walk by that street and nothing ever happened? And then that moment when this this beautiful scene just developed in front of your eyes and you you were quick enough to capture it, it's such a great satisfaction. What was... All right, so I'm curious now when you mentioned that because what what is your favorite photo that you took last year I, for an audio podcast? Very thrilling. <laughs> just to describe this, uh, but what what was the one photo that you were the most proud of, and what is the photo that you had the most? favorable like likes or thumbs ups or or whatever and let's talk about that like what were the 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 similarities the differences between the two well actually one of my favorite pictures of last year is actually one that was the most recognized um because it 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 is really it's a and it's very much out of the ordinary for me to capture this type of layered image and um, we'll have to post it in the show notes because or people can see it actually I kept it on the top of my uh, of my Instagram it's um, it's a, a young girl the back of a young girl in the foreground watching her sister dive um, from a diving board but like feet first so she's midair you know, you see her face and the scared look, and it's one of the diving boards that I just love in in Brittany in France. It's um it's a concrete diving diving platform that goes into a natural pool that fills up every high tide, and so it's recycled at every tide basically. And the water is cold; it's always cold. Uh, and um, and that moment where all the elements fell into place, and and the beautiful part of this is that I was on vacation. I wasn't on a photo mission. When I'm with my family, the camera takes the back seat because I do this for a living, teaching and traveling and, and shooting. So when I'm with family, I have my camera, but I only do grab shots. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I yeah. just, you know, I kind of get some shots. And that was like a moment where I we we're waiting actually for our order. Uh, we were sitting right in front of that beach, waiting for our food. I said, "Oh, there, there is activity on the diving board. I'm, I'm going to take five minutes and, and walk up there." And I saw that moment, and, and I grabbed it, 
And I remember going back to the table and the rest of the family was like, okay, we're not even going to ask because the smile on my face was all the way to my ears. And I was so happy that I captured something really special. And uh, so that one actually, street photographers recognized how well the elements came together. And and I was quite proud of of that moment. But sometimes it can be, uh, I do a lot of motion and and camera movement. And a lot of people don't understand that, or they don't understand how difficult it is actually to do in street photography to make it work. So some of those are are my favorite of the year. So um, and, and so, yeah, every year there is one that stands out. And on every trip, there is one that's going to stand out for me too. But I do shoot a lot here. I just, I, I'm just finishing a winter project because I live in a cold, cold state where we have about six months of snow. And so um, every year I try to do something different. For a couple of years, I did a project called On Ice where I documented life on ice and, you know, whether it's the the one like ice fishermen, I mean, the, the normal things that you think of on ice, you know, ice fishing, ice skating and things like that. But I took part in a, in a party, uh, with a DJ on a, on a frozen lake. I, I played, um, I, I photographed people playing tennis on a frozen lake. So, so many things that, you know, I discovered that people actually do on ice. And I had a blast for two years doing that project. This year, I just finished one called uh, Winter Dreaming, where it's all camera movement in a snow scene and photographing. It's basically the same as street photography. There are people in the snow, but with camera movement. So it gives you that dreamy look. But yeah, everything has to fall into place for, as you know, for normal capture, except then you have the added element of difficulty with the camera movement and the slow shutter speed. I shot everything at one eighth of a second. So um, with movement and then having all those elements that fall into place. <laughs> And yeah. are, it's even more difficult. So people think it's kind of a gimmick and it's like, oh, it's kind of an accident. It's like, eh, yeah, try again. <laughs> it's actually, but it's fun. And I had so much fun. I'm shooting this just for me, just for fun. And and so I have a lot of galleries of pro- personal projects. And uh, so I always, I always have a reason to go out, even if it's extremely cold. Uh, so, um, you know, you have to embrace it. Otherwise, you're going to be indoors for six months, and that doesn't sound like fun. So, um, yeah, I, I'm out. I, I can outlast my camera in the cold, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, with the cold, it doesn't do the battery any good. <laughs> no, they drain really fast. You have to keep a, a few of them really close to your body heat. Yep. The so this is interesting because it, it, you have so much flexibility that it can be daunting for for a person to uh, approach a subject uh, when you're doing something that is the the like the intentional movement. Uh, is that something that? you try to plan ahead of time? Like you have an idea or location in mind and, you know, this would be great with some, some, some people walking by a little bit blurred. Uh, like, w- what's the mindset behind that? Well, um, I, it usually happens, you know, I actually just took a picture last weekend. I usually don't take my camera when I'm hiking because, you know, I have my phone and I'm not a landscape photographer. I, I love nature and I, I live in a beautiful place with lots of wildlife and, and I so enjoy it, but I don't feel compelled to photograph it. So um, a I'll hiking trail is just a street, not paved. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I had my camera. And, uh, well, usually, you know, we're in Minnesota, it's like <laughs> wilderness everywhere. So you can, you can hike for hours without seeing one person. But actually that day I, there was this old man with a long, you know, a staff, you know, like a long cane a walking in the snow. And I actually, <laughs> I was behind him and I, I quickly set my camera for, you know, one eighth of a second, blah, 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 blah. And then I followed him. And as I was walking, I was actually doing the camera movement to capture 
capture that. And it actually turned out to be a, a good picture. Otherwise, I tried to incorporate some architecture. So I'll go to some cityscapes, like there is a bridge in Minneapolis where you'll see the skyline, the background, although everything will be blurred, but you you know where you are. So you have the leading line of the bridge, the skyline, and then you just have to wait for someone in contrast. So thankfully, most people were black in the snow, which really helps out. Um, so unless somebody has a, you know, a white dog on the leash, you'll see the leash, but you, the dog will disappear. But um, so I, or I wanted to capture skaters. So while my family was skating, I was actually, you know, uh, walking around and, and capturing skaters or skiers or, or bike mountain bikers on the, on the icy lakes and things like that, kites on the lake. So it's mostly... I spent the winter on frozen lakes, uh, but it was a different project. It's drawing to an end now, but uh, I feel pretty good. I have a good collection. And, you know, it's about culling it down. I, I, I started with, I had put them in a gallery on the website, and this one is called Winter Dreaming in my portfolio. And I had three times more pictures. And then the more I look at it, the, then I remove a lot of them until I have, you know, maybe 20 that I really like fit together. So it's still in calling, calling process. How much of your street photography is look uh, on the hunt for looking for people or on the hunt for interesting settings? Um, because I would imagine that it would be, you're looking for one thing, you're prioritizing one thing, over the other. One is looking for, you're prioritizing uh, a, a group of people or, or, or uh, a potential gathering. Uh, you're, you're, you're looking for where there's the most activity or uh, the other, you're looking for a setting that you may remember that looks kind of cool uh, that, that would make for some interesting photography if people were in it passing by if the right people that's the thing and and so and and that's the part where a lot of people get get stuck because um you you find this beautiful setting and then oh somebody walks by click and then you move on you know how many times i'm (laughs) i i point out a beautiful setting and then i i i mentioned it to uh one of my workshop participants said you know this is really good the light probably won't last more than 15 minutes so i would i would you know suggest you hang out here for a few minutes and then uh, three minutes later there's my workshop participant walking down the street i'm like wait a minute i need to see who was so spectacular that you know, <laughs> came by in the in the past three minutes, and and they didn't have the patience to to stay for for somebody really that fits that that's that environment. So, if, for example, if you're in Italy and you have a beautiful backdrop, beautiful light, if you photograph a tourist that walks by with a you know a big Gap shirt uh, shirt with Gap written on it and a Nike hat and then a backpack, why? You want you want to capture Italy. You want to capture um, the the feel of the place. And so, before you even before while you while you see the environment, you always have to picture in your head what is going to make the strongest possible frame. Well, you know, I want this beautiful Italian gentleman walking by this beautiful architecture in that light, and he's going to have to be in contrast with the backdrop, otherwise he's going to disappear. Or And, and so I'm going to have to catch him right at that moment, in that right stepping. So you have to set all those, all those uh, um, parameters in your head and stick to, stick to them. That's why most of the time you're not going to have a picture, but that's okay. At least you won't have a mediocre picture. Never settle for mediocre. Always aim for the best possible. And sometimes something even more spectacular than you would have ever dreamed of is going to happen. But don't settle because and then it's ruining a perfectly good backdrop with a really boring subject that doesn't even belong there. And it makes for a mediocre photograph. So then might as well take a picture of the backdrop without any people. It's probably going to look better. So it's really about being discerning and never settle. Never settle. Uh, and so 
I can see that when you start, you don't have the same level of um, of discernment and the same um, the bar the bar keeps going up. So at first, you're going to be happy if you capture just anyone. So yes, that's part of the practice and that's part of the growing process. But but quickly, you need to realize that you know they, it's got to be a stronger shot. But that's going to take a lot of lot of patience, and and you have to feel okay with not having a keeper at the end of the day. You're going to have some good pictures, but um, that you'll feel good about. Maybe you'll have that one that you feel really really good about. But some days you won't have anything, and that's okay because the most important part about this genre of photography is to be out there and to experience it and to see it, even if you don't capture it. Unless you're happy with that part, you'll never be satisfied because it is so hard that you'll you'll feel discouraged really quickly. So it's, again, about loving life and loving to see those moments, even if they don't make it on your memory card. At least you saw them. And that's part of the learning anyways. So, um, I hope this makes sense. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I said absolutely. I couldn't carry on and on and on all day about this. I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> and it shows. And it, I think, I think what we could take away from all of this is that it, it's the most important thing that the photographer needs to do is is basically jump in with both feet mm-hmm. right into the you know proverbial water, not the literal one. Your, your warranty doesn't cover that. <laughs> um, you're you need to just embrace that uneasy feeling that you might have uh, among people if if that is one of your. Your, your, your drawbacks, uh, you don't have to engage with people. Uh, you, you just need to be comfortable among them. <laughs> yeah. And actually being, I, I'm not a crowd photographer. I hate crowds. Yeah. Um, so my, my photographs are very minimalist. I isolate one, two, three people, but never a crowd of people. However, it's easier to shoot in a crowd. So that's a good place to start. In a crowd, you're not going to stand out. You can get really close to people being noticed. So for anyone who starts, go to an event, go to a fair or market. That's a good place to start to because you'll be more invisible in a crowd than you will be, you know, if there are only two people walking down the street or three people on the beach on a winter day. There is nowhere to hide then. So you really have to learn the techniques to remain invisible while getting close. And that takes a lot of practice. And so you everybody has a different aesthetic. You know, you look, we all look for something different. I love photographing timeless scenes in Paris, for example. And I have a whole, a whole collection of timeless Paris. And, uh, and, and I just captured one of my favorite shots just last month in, in Paris. And I couldn't believe my eyes when this happened in front of me and those two, uh, a grandma and a grandson, um, walked by and I felt like I was on a, on a movie set. That's how surreal it was to me. I felt like we were back in the 40s. And and when I captured that moment, I was so happy. And so, but it was very minimalist. I never have crowds. However, when I'm in a crowded situation, and I often bring my, my workshop participant to markets and things like that, because that's part of the culture as well. I will focus on either isolating. I have a, a whole series on hands stories of hands. So isolating uh, details, um, getting really, really close. And when you're in a crowd, it's easy to get really close. So I photograph, you know, how people sometimes uh, have their hands behind their back or they hold their newspaper behind their back or they have they carry their beautiful wicker basket. So you can actually get so close to people in a crowd situation. So I have this whole series of hands of strangers that I captured in, uh, in this type of uh, situation. So making the best out of, you know, a crowded or work on a theme. I think too, sometime uh, if you're at a fair, it's a bit overwhelming because there's so much, um, so much happening. Uh, 
focus on one thing, um, like I do with the hands, for example, or you may fo- focus on, you know, people walking their dogs or people wearing really cool hats. I think it will keep you focused because I think the more environment, the busier the environment, um, the more scattered you're going to be. And, uh, and that's when you need to have a, a plan. Otherwise, I don't go out with a plan. I really let the the, the street surprise me and the light. And it's really being it's really responding to to what's happening. And really, again, it's about seeing with your heart. I love the idea of going to a fair. Uh, that I think is a good starting place if mm-hmm. if you have them regularly in your. Uh, in your area, especially, I, I think the the where you're going to get the most action is uh, the midway, where everyone's trying to play games and. Oh yeah, that's those are fun too. I I photograph, uh, and we have one of the biggest, actually the uh, the biggest state fair here in Minnesota uh, for ten days every uh, at the end of summer, and the midway at night. You have all the lights and you can yes. photograph people's faces illuminated by lights and and it's nighttime. You can walk. No one will notice you. You can get really close to people. And uh, there's so many beautiful photographs to be to be taken of expressions of joy and or or disappointment because mom and dad wants wants to go, want to go and you want to stay at the ride. And so there are so many beautiful moments of of everyday life to be captured, but really anywhere. But yes, absolutely. Whenever it's, uh, there is a crowd, it's easier to, to be invisible. So that's a really a good place to start, but then uh, it's nice to have a little project so that you don't get too scattered. Do you have any apps that help you with, uh, with, with your planning or your, your choosing locations, uh, Anything that would help you with street photography? Nope, uh, nope, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, no, I. Um, it's I like the surprise. Actually, um, there's no planning. You shouldn't even go out with a photo in your head because if if you go out with one photograph in your mind, it's not yours. It's something you've already seen. So uh, it's really going out empty and and reacting to to what's happening that's that's what i do and whether it's raining or snowing and rain is beautiful rain is amazing on the streets it offers possibilities that you never have any other time and and life on the street is very different on a rainy day people act differently there is a lot of commotion and and reflections and it is just some, some of my best best time on the street so it's now i i i mean i even shoot i even make the decision of color and black and white in camera before i press the shutter so uh to me it's really about the moment Mm -hmm. i actually have an app that i use to help me find cool places um that won't be for that would not be for street photography though it can be that would be more for like backdrop and 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 cityscapes and Things like that, but if you're photographing people around that area, yeah, true. Um, but I find that those areas are usually the touristy areas, and then you'll have more tourists. I stay away from the tourist spots. <laughs> you know, the, the f- funny you mentioned that. Yes, you would think that, but the app does a, such a good job of finding obscure places. Oh, good. I, I have found trails that I never knew about that were in my hometown that w- w- without this app, I would have never found them. Oh, so tell us, tell us all. Okay. What is it? <laughs> so you're going to laugh at me because this is not what it's meant for. <laughs> it, it is, it is, ab- and I've teased this before when uh, I had uh, Frederick on. Um, he, I, I basically left it to the, the listener. If you want to know what the app is, email me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, so I am going to, for the first time, going to let everybody know what oh. this what this mysterious app is. And it is Pokemon Go. 
Oh, is it one of those um, those those games where you go with your phone and you have to find yep. augmented yeah. reality? It's uh, okay. but oh, so funny. so here's where it becomes useful for photography. Uh, Niantic has this ridiculous database uh, because Niantic, while they're making a game out of the most popular franchise in the world. Uh, they don't consider themselves a video game company. Uh, they consider themselves uh, 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 what is augmented reality company. So they, they, they're basically wanting to map the world. And what they have in their games is points of interest that they use as uh, you, you know whatever resources in, in the game. But when you're looking over on the map, you can find these little points of interest. And these are points of interest that the people have submitted. So I have seen some really interesting street art. Uh, I remember using this in Worcester, Massachusetts, and, and finding some great places that I think would make for some interesting uh street photography providing you know you know people walking by it or, or, or something um i did this on a sunday morning and nobody was out on the street <laughs> sure <laughs> but it was good to explore kind of get yeah. the lay of the land and and so for future projects i'd be able to go out there uh-huh. um wow who knew who but, knew <laughs> but again like if you're if you're driving and, and, and have the map out uh, and you, you see one of these little stops, you could be in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden find this amazing place. That could be an interesting project in itself. I was looking to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, wedding photography being my primary thing, that, that had to yeah. take precedence. That takes a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is on my uh, – to-do list to uh to kind of uh dive into it and, and, and see what i can make of it um but talking about wedding photography that is a good place if some if some of the the listeners want to delve into street photography you can certainly practice those skills in any events whether yes. it's weddings or family you know uh, photographing moments uh, candid moments within your within your your family, looking at looking at them as a as a photojournalist would, and so that photojournalistic approach to wedding photography to birthday parties will really help with your skills when you're in an environment where you control absolutely nothing except your vision and your gear, because in those, in those moments, people are certainly, you you don't have to worry about people noticing you for one thing. So you don't have to be invisible. So you take out of some of the challenges, but you can practice your skills at capturing the, the decisive moments. And so that's a good practice. Yes, you're already at an advantage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, right on. Uh, so these were some great tips, uh, great advice. Uh, I, I think I think we could keep at this for so wow. much more. <laughs> uh, but the one to to sum it all up, I. And I'll, I'll let you have the final word, but from my point of view, it's it, it is so necessary to just get out and try. And Absolutely. the more you do it, the more you will develop that eye for uh, what you your, your brain is going to kick in and, and and you know find that perfect spot for you or or help you wait for that perfect moment mm-hmm. a, a, until you get what you want. And and find one way to do it. I mean, I've written so many books about this, and one one way to do it that fits your personality to start. Um, if you if you more of if you like to be further away and and photograph 
um, silhouettes and and people that are not recognizable, well, do that. Whatever makes you happy, because honestly, this has to be fun. If it if it makes you so nervous and so anxious, why do it? So start it in a way that makes you happy. You may want to ha- to do portraits of people at markets and just stop people and say, "Oh, you look you look fantastic. Can I can I do a portrait of you?" And that that's fine too. That's one way to break the ice to to jump into this genre anyway. So, um, and, and fine, fine. I, I think it's a shame to always do just silhouettes or just this because you're missing on so much and there is so much beauty out there. So I like to do a little bit of everything. It really depends on my mood a lot of time, um, or depends on the, the weather. You know, if it's, uh, sometime I'm chasing light, if the light is not very dramatic and it's kind of overcast and kind of boring, then I will probably get closer to people to capture emotions and really beautiful expressions. Um, if the light is really dramatic, I'll play with light and, and then I'll probably a little bit further away and capture some silhouettes. So it all depends really. And, but the, the key is to have fun with it and to do it in, in the tradition of what street photography is and be honest about that. I think, um, I think this genre deserves that and um, to keep it to keep it alive in, in its in its tradition and so and 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 be respectful very respectful and people that are um, people in in your photographs should feel happy if they saw those pictures and and uh, so always portray people even if it's it doesn't have to be happy but even if it's sad, it has to be done in a respectful way. Uh, many times people have seen themselves on my photographs or somebody they know said, oh, that's, I know this guy and blah, blah, blah. And it's never been a bad experience. People have, have often asked me if they could uh, if they could buy the, the print. I said, no, I'll, I'm so happy to be able to give you that print. And, um, and for the family, having that candid moment of someone is so precious because few people have that. Yeah. They usually have posed portraits. And so it so it's really important to do it right. And it's such an important, important genre to do. Uh, so that's why it's so important to do it correctly and 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 in a candid fashion, because again, of its historical value later. Because we all know how it feels when we find out a photographer we've known forever has staged pictures and then you see you see their work and, and then you don't know, oh, is was this also staged? And and that's just not right. Yeah. It's um yeah, I, I'm always – I hate looking at the new photography news sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I avoid that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it was awesome having you on the show. I, I think this has been truly uh, something that I will re-listen to because this is very helpful advice. And uh, I, I think it, it's one of those things where people need to uh, – kind of be reminded of every now and then to, to see what they, what, 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 what is possible and, and to kind of not necessarily uh, know the, the wrong way or right way of doing it. It's just, there's so much right way to do this. It's exploring oh, yeah. which yeah. one is right for you. And, and it's not about the pretty picture. It's about the experience first and foremost. Yes. And that, yeah, absolutely. It's If you don't enjoy the experience, then why do it? Um, you should feel just as happy if you come home empty than if you have the picture of the year. Yep. You should feel good about yourself. So with that, uh, why don't you tell the world where they could find you on the web? Oh. Uh, Valérie Jardin, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N. And they'll pretty much find me right away, especially if they put photography. So ValerieJardin.com or ValerieJardinPhotography.com will take you to the same website. And then uh, Valérie Jardin on Instagram, on Vero. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And um, all the links on my website about my, my work, my books, my workshops which are filling up quickly for this year i have uh, one one awesome. left in uh, in in 
in Northern America, um, but Europe is almost full for the year. And I'm off to uh, to Mexico City to teach um, next week as we're Sweet. recording this. So, yeah. Well, enjoy your time. And again, we'll definitely have to bring you back later in the year just to 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 – Let's see how we all did. It'll be our report okay. card for, for, for the year on street photography. I just got my X-T5 in the mail uh, yesterday, and I am just raring to go with with, uh, with my lenses. I got my 33 millimeter that I, I'm personally comfortable with, and I, I can't wait to give it a test ride. Good. Have fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.